Well, we're continuing to uh, think in our series of Bible studies about how we live with God. Jesus called people into a new life following him. He calls us to live our lives with him. But how do we do that? And we've been thinking about these ways that believers have kind of put themselves in a place to live that way with God all through the ages, sometimes together, sometimes on their own. And these days, living with Jesus more on our own is quite important, isn't it? Because we're having to perhaps do more of that than we used to. So things like prayer and solitude and simplicity of living, different ways of, of kind of putting ourselves in that place to live with God. The, these things have been called spiritual disciplines. We see them in the lives of people in the Bible. Certainly Jesus did these things and we follow in these ways. Last week, we were thinking about how having a mind that's open to study, to consider things carefully, especially God's word, the Bible, is all part of it. Today, we're going to be thinking about how prayer and the Bible can kind of come together in our lives in meditation. Oh, meditation. Now, some of I think some of you out there will be thinking, well, wow, that's great. That's exciting. Everyone's on about meditation these days. I'm glad you're keeping up with it in Portswood Church at last. That's really good. Uh, and it's true. There is a lot of it about. I did an Amazon search and discovered 300,000 items available linked to the term meditation. Some books, but all kinds of stuff, you know, bowls and bands. And I didn't spend too, too much time on it, but there's an awful lot of that about. Others of us won't be thinking, well, who? Others will be thinking, oh, dear, this is surely a bit dodgy. Are you turning us into Buddhists or are we opening ourselves up into kind of new age spirituality? And we see meditation as a, a rather dodgy, mystical, strange practice. Well, the answer to that question is no, we're not. Richard Foster, in his book, A Celebration of Discipline, uh, it was written in the 1980s and remains really helpful. He makes a really important point. He makes the point that meditation on offer through new age and other mindfulness sources is all about emptying the mind. And it is, isn't it? Because we want to be peaceful. They want to feel well, to feel whole or whatever else might happen. Now, the meditations that Christians and Yahweh loving Jews have been doing for centuries is not that at all. It's more about making space for the Lord an emptying of some things out of my headspace so that the Lord might fill that with his truth and his presence. It's not just emptying the mind for anything or whatever else might happen. And the Bible itself has at least 20 to 30 references to meditation, depending on how you uh, read it in terms of translation. And, and one of the really well-known ones is in Joshua 1 verse 8. Uh, remember, Joshua was told to uh, he was going to be leading the uh, children of Israel after Moses died. And, and, and he's told from the Lord to um, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. He was told to meditate on the law. That was all he had of, of the scriptures at that time. And Psalm 1, the very first psalm, talks about the person who is blessed by God, delights in God's law. They meditate on it day and night. And as you read these references, particularly in the psalms, 
you find that the people who are talking about meditating talk about at least two things. Firstly, they talk about meditating on God's works. So creation, it's often creation. It's other times it's remembering God's actions in history. It always points towards God's character. So Psalm 48 verse 9 is a lovely verse. It says, I will meditate on your unfailing love. So it's often about God's works, but more often it's about God's word, meditating on God's word, like Joshua was told. And Psalm 1 says, and and it usually refers to the law. And by that, it means the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis to Deuteronomy, which at the time um, when the Psalms are written, some of them, most of them, um, that was the only scriptures that they had available. And it's interesting. Remember, we were thinking uh, over the last couple of weeks about how Jesus was uh, in the desert being tested and he was fasting and praying, as we saw last week. And during that time, he quotes from the same section of Deuteronomy each time he's quoted from three chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, as a Jewish man, he would have memorized much of Deuteronomy. And I just wonder, was he carrying those scriptures around in his heart? as he was in the desert. After that little passage in Deuteronomy, or or much of Deuteronomy, is about how they came out of the desert into what God wanted for them. And maybe Jesus was, you know, thinking about that in his own life. Jesus was possibly meditating on these words. Certainly he would have meditated on scripture because he would have followed what Psalm 1 said. So what is this kind of meditation? Well, Psalm 19, which is the one we had uh, read to us earlier, has got verse 14 at the end of it. And the verse 14 says this. These words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, this tells us something about meditation for believers like me and you. It tells us that it's thoughtful. It can be turned immediately into words. These are the words of my mouth. It's not some altered state of mind where the guy is kind of floating off into who knows where. Secondly, it says it's of my heart. It's a meditation of my heart. It's the inner self, the real me. It's not just knowing about, but really knowing. And out of that comes worship because it says thirdly that it's directed to the Lord. It's about pleasing him. He says, may this be pleasing in your sight. I'm giving this to you, Lord. This is for you. And lots of meditation in the Psalms is like that. And then lastly, it it increases understanding. His awareness, his appreciation of God grows through this experience. I, I believe he becomes aware of God in a fresh way. So at the end, he says, may this be acceptable in, in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, Where's that come from as you look through Psalm 19? That's new. That's not been there anywhere before. But as the psalm writer kind of is reflecting on it all, so this awareness of God as his rock and his redeemer somehow filters into his experience and he expresses that right at the end as the fruit perhaps of, of his meditation because as we shall see, this is a meditation. Psalm 19 actually says at the end, this is a meditation of my heart. So we, we're really you know, fortunate. We've actually got here in the Bible a worked example 
of what it actually is to meditate. So what I want you to do is open up your Bible if you haven't. In fact, pause the video right now if you haven't got a Bible in front of you um, and go and get your Bible and have it open at Psalm 19. And as we look at Psalm 19, look at how it begins. It says, it's all about the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The glory of God is all that he is like. Everything kind of wonderful about him. And where is that seen? Well, well, it's seen in the work of his hands, verse 1. Creation. God is speaking and revealing himself all the time, it says. Now, here's a way to start with meditation, to be looking for the Lord in creation. He's there to be seen. Interact with the world and the Lord in that way. Because this psalm is saying, look, he says, um, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. It's pouring out, as it were, all the time. There's this flood of knowledge of, of words from God in creation. The whole time, day after day, night after night. But more than that, it's not just it's the whole time. The next little picture from creation in verse um, uh, five or four, rather, uh, four, the second half of verse four, it says it, it's for everyone because he goes on to picture creation. He thinks about the way the sun rises in the morning and appears from where we are to be kind of traveling across the sky. He says this wonderful picture. He says it's like a bridegroom champion coming out all kind of glorious and anticipating the day. And then kind of makes his way across the sky gradually. Uh, and, and the whole thing begins again the next day. It's uh, and, and what he's saying is it says there that um, it rises at one of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. It's for everyone. It's in a lovely picture, isn't it? It's for everyone. Everyone feels the warmth. And he's saying, God, what you're saying about yourself in creation is like that. It's all the time and it's for everyone. So this meditation of my heart, as the psalm writer describes it, is fed by God's world, creation is speaking volumes. And he says, I'm going to turn this to the Lord. Now, we're wired as human beings to know God in that way through creation. We respond emotionally. You see an amazing sunset. And I don't care if you're the, the, the most hard-bitten atheist in the world. Something spiritually responds to it. Something in you goes, whoa, isn't evolution wonderful or isn't it marvellous? But that it's not where it, but it's the isn't it marvellous bit that, that we're wired for that. We respond spiritually, but of course, something stops us often going beyond that. And that is why we need more. See, creation tells us there's something to hear. There's a God who speaks, but we can hear what that God is saying in his word. Because that's where the psalm writer goes on. His word, the Bible, and his word in Jesus, who is described as the word of God, the revealer of God, ultimately. Now, if you're watching this and you get the creation bit, but you that's as far as you go, can I just encourage you to go into the next part of what God has to say through his word, through Jesus, 
you'll hear about Alpha probably later on in this uh, service, sign up for it, go along to it, because it's, it's one way we go from getting the general picture to focusing on what God has said specifically. Because from verse seven, as you look at it, the, the writer turns to the Lord through his word and he focuses on God's word. So if meditation is fed by God's world, it's focused in God's word. Look at what he says there. It's some beautiful things he says about God's word. He said, look, there's refreshment for the soul. He says there's wisdom because we really need it. We're simple. There's joy for our heart. There's light for our eyes. It's precious. It's, he says this is so precious. It's more precious than gold. And we know how crazy people used to go when they thought there was gold to be found in, in the gold rushes and so on in history. And even today, I think he says it's sweeter than honey, the sweetest natural thing you can imagine. And he says God's words are sweeter than that. And, and they bring warning and they bring reward. And as he goes through, you can read it through. He, he like slowly chews it over. And then when you get to verse 12 and 13, something happens on the back of all he's been thinking about or on the back of what he's been aware of. He, he actually starts talking to God. He says to God, I need those things now. He says, I can't discern my own errors. Who can? He says, my faults are hidden. I'm good at hiding them. I'm good at that. I'm sure you're good at that, hiding our faults. He says, I've seen that. Now, Lord, I need you to forgive me. I need you to keep me from sinning. I don't want sin to rule me. Don't you see what's just happened there? These words have gone from being just words that he's aware of about God is, and his word, rather. He, he, these have kind of started to kind of filter into be something that's touched his heart. It's changing him. That's what God's words do as we meditate on them, as they kind of filter down into our being. And that comes from this tasting, the sweeter than the best honeycomb honey. Listen to what Joyce Huggett says. This is from a clip from a at least 10 year old resource uh, about the Bible and how it relates to our lives. And, and I think she's got some helpful things to say here uh, practically about this. Author and teacher Joyce Huggett has written many books on Bible meditation and prayer. Joyce, for an absolute beginner, how would you describe meditating on the Bible? I would say that it's reading a verse or a phrase or even a passage from the Bible, several verses, until a word or a phrase or a sentence really kind of wings itself from your head into your heart. And then you're turning it over and over inside of yourself until you've grasped the meaning for you for today. How would you find that it helps you in your relationship with God and with his word? I find it helps enormously because if somebody is just speaking to my head, it doesn't make a great difference, deal of difference to the way I behave, to my lifestyle. But if somebody is actually speaking to my heart, I hear it and I turn it over and over in my mind through the day, through the week, through the year. And hopefully I change because of it. I tend to think of meditation as something that you do by yourself in isolation, in a little room. But can it be done in a 
group? Does it work in a group setting? It works extremely well in a group as long as it's led properly and as long as the people are intentional about what they're doing. One method of doing this is to have a group of people together. I used to do this with a group in a parish that I was working in on one occasion. And I would read them a passage of scripture as slowly as possible and invite them to tune into my voice until a word or a verse or a sentence kind of attracted them, drew them. And then they tune out my voice. They turn this word, this phrase, this sentence over and over in their mind until the truth of it had trickled from their head into their heart. And then we were silent for a while, while that truth, that, that heart awareness, was able to be really heard and engaged with. And then right at the end, we would share with each other what God had said to each of us. The, the fellowship in that group was so rich. It was fantastic. I think for some people, meditation is associated with like new age and all kinds of pagan practices what would you say to somebody who was concerned about that i would say that if you look up the word meditation in a bible concordance you'll see that the word meditation recurs frequently look up those references and see that meditation is something god begs us to do meditation on the bible is really meditative prayer, where the Bible becomes the form and the focus of our conversation with God, where our Bible reading becomes directed to Him, and we direct ourselves to hear Him. So how do we do this? Are there any kind of tips? Well, quite simply, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Uh, That's why it's good to, to hear what other people say about it, really, who are more experienced. But we can at least say that it starts with the intention, taking time and space for this. So there needs to be quietness. There needs to be, you need to be away from other thoughts that kind of rush in and sweep us away. So some people find using posture or what they do with it, with their hands or, or, or in breathing and so on. They find that helpful, uh, you know, just to kind of, calm down as it were and get away from all the things that are rushing around us now I know that's not for everyone I personally I I don't you know find that easy for myself I don't do that very easily maybe I need to learn to do that for me I I really find creation (laughs) is better you know if I can get out and that's why I walk sometimes and pray and walk and meditate and walk or sit down somewhere outside and because that way when I am distracted it's usually by something that quickly can take me back to the Lord through creation uh, rather than some random thought or unhelpful thought that comes into my head, which I find when I, I, I try and kind of just be completely still and have nothing in my mind, as it were. So that's just me. You may find your own way. But the key thing is that we have that intention and we go somewhere or we, we are in a place uh, physically or metaphorically where we're still we can be still and know that I am God, as, as Psalm 46 says. Some way of saying, I'm leaving all of this behind now. I just want to be here and have that space for the Lord and his word. That's intention. And of course, the second thing is you need the word to start with. That's why memorizing scripture is good. 
you know, and if you want to, to, to do that, you know, talk to someone from the navigators about the topical memory system or, or whatever. But it is helpful. I woke up early uh, the other morning thinking about what I was going to say today. And um, I don't know, I found a phrase that I uh, came, came to me somehow or I was, began to think about a, a phrase. How it, the phrase was, he gave himself for me. I started thinking about that and thanking God. And and then the rest of the, the verse that I'd memorized when I was a teenager came back to me. And the verse is, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And, and I would just lie there in bed and thinking and praying. And uh, and then it kind of went with me with the late, you know, through the day and so on. No, it was I memorized that when I was a teenager. So it's here in my head now. Um, it's a good thing to memorize scripture. If you haven't got a Bible, you can you've got something to kind of meditate on. But if you you haven't memorized, or you know you're a very young Christian, or you've never thought about it, well, don't worry about it. Um, you can go to a passage, and then a, a phrase from the passage may just come out, and you just take that phrase and just savor it, chew it over like honey, eat it slowly, as it were. I don't know whether I should share this or not, really, but um, I, I used to really enjoy eating um, Cadbury's fruit and nut chocolate. Maybe you've had that experience. Sorry about the product placement. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I'd eat it by getting a piece of chocolate and then putting it in my mouth and, and just letting it melt. So the chocolate will melt off. And I think mm, that's great chocolate. So I'd be left with a nut, maybe a bit of nut and a, a raisin. And then I would chew up the nut and then... Um, I don't enjoy the nuts that much, but that was good because I was looking forward to the raisin that kind of bursts in in its kind of sunny flavour. And um, that was the way I enjoy a piece of chocolate. Sorry if that's, uh, maybe I'm the only one who does that. But anyway, the thing is, it was, sometimes I think it, you, you do that with God's word. You kind of just take time to let it, savour it, to think about it. What does that mean? What does that mean for me now? How does that affect me? But you need the word to start with. That's the key thing, whether you memorize it or you take it from a passage you're looking at. And then the third thing about what's happening is there is this movement of heart towards the Lord. You speak to the Lord out of what you're feeling. And it turns to worship. Of course, it, it could be that you it, it brings up questions. I mean, don't think that, you know, meditation has to just be thinking lovely, kind of cosy, uh, comforting thoughts. It might be that there's something that you're, you're really you know, mad about or you just don't know what to do with. Uh, maybe I don't know, but it seems to me that lament is a kind of form of meditation. Kind of, you know, being truthful, even dwelling on the painful thing with scripture and bringing it to the Lord. So three simple ways, um, perhaps to get started. Small steps are often the way to go. So prayer, the word, silence, solitude, meditation, these things all kind of merge into each other. And if you think, well, yeah, I get that, but I've been doing that for years. Yeah, you probably have and don't realize it. Well, carry on or find ways to to focus more on those things or to give that intentional time, maybe to build upon it and not to forget what the Lord kind of brings to you in those times. Maybe keep a journal if, if that's something that you might find helpful. 
These are all things that can be built into our lives as we live with God, especially when we're on our own, as we are in this current season. We're going to end, uh, I'm going to end now, uh, and we're going to have another look at these words of the psalm. And we're going to see them as well as hear them. And we're going to see someone kind of taking the word into their heart and expressing it using the gifts that they've been given in movement. Uh, and as you look at it, try to engage with your heart and ask you, where does that lead your heart? as you respond to these words from God's word. And then after that, we can continue in worship together.